Hi, I'm Tony Mala, and welcome to the ASA Podcast, a program for automotive professionals that helps keep you ahead of what's now, what's new, and what's next in the business of automotive service and collision repair. This podcast is brought to you by the Automotive Service Association, dedicated to driving your success. And we'll be sharing information, insight, and inspiration that will not just help you make a living, it will help you make a difference. Hi, this is Tony Mala coming to you from the MSO Symposium in Las Vegas, Nevada at the Mandalay Bay. This is ASA's eighth year, eighth consecutive year for the MSO Symposium, and they've had some really interesting panelists this year, one of which we are talking to right now. I have with me Mark Allen, the Collision Equipment Manager of Audi of America. Hi, Mark. Hey, how are you doing, Tony? Thanks for joining us. I really appreciate it. Mark, your panel was about certification. Yes. And we all know shop certification has been a very big deal on the collision repair side. And I wanted to talk to you a little bit about that. The panel discussion, as I remember, was talking about things you've learned along the way. And what has Audi learned along the way for their program? And can you tell us a little bit about the program, how it works? Sure. So the program really is predicated on on one thing, a proper, safe repair and taking care of our customers' customer retention. There are a lot of folks that say, hey, you know, it's just about parts. Mm-hmm. And I will gladly show anyone who would like to see my goals and reviews over the past eight years because guess what? That's not one portion of what I measured on. So we really try and give an experience to the customer where we know the shop has the right equipment, which we audit for on a yearly basis. We have training. So we believe in ICAR training as a foundational learning and that that is great uh, I think that we we use that kind of making sure that our technicians are up to speed before they come to us and then we give hands-on training so I'm kind of proud in our trainers because they'll tell you that we do have failures but the biggest thing is they they make successes and at the end of the day what we're giving back to a repairer that is in participation of the program is a technician that has demonstrated that they can do this repair in front of our trainer and has the knowledge to go forward and perform this on a customer's car. The training you mentioned, the hands-on training, mm-hmm. that's part of the uh, certification packet process, right? Correct. Yeah, Correct. okay. And I think you have a training center in Virginia that I've been at. Yes, in, uh, in Ashburn, and, yeah, and we also have one out now in Ontario, California. So uh, we offer about 145 days of training in each location, so roughly 300 days of training for technicians. So you've you mentioned equipment that the shop has to have. Is there a required number of hours of training per technician? We don't look at the number of hours of training that they have, but rather the topic. So if it's a welding course for aluminum, the first course is two weeks. Uh, so two five-day segments of, of hands-on training, and it's very, very intense. But at the end of it, there's a brotherhood that comes out of it. Uh, we haven't had our first female uh, student, and, and I very much look forward to that happening so that, that I can say that we have, uh, we have a great blended group. But the great stuff that comes out of that. And then, you know, it depends. It could just be model training, and that might be a two-day class mm-hmm. to come through. So it 
comes down to what it is. We track that training, make sure that every technician that is on the program has taken it. Mm-hmm. And we will not authorize the shop if the training is not there. And the training you offer at the uh, at the training uh, centers, is that ICAR training or is it OEM training? How does that work? Is it a mix? No. ICAR is your kindergarten through 12th grade. And when you come to us, you're, you're doing your doctoral thesis. So ah. it is hands-on. We do cut up a lot of very expensive cars in the honor of teaching. And we're also our best friends in terms of, of buying our own parts. We go through a lot of parts and, and materials to run those centers. So kind of funny, the MSOs were eh, rightfully so complaining a little bit about the cost of what it is to equip their shops. My training centers, imagine two centers that have to have not one welder that's compliant. I need six times two training centers have every brand of welder every brand of Riveter, every brand of frame machine. So it's a very big investment for us as well. Interesting. How many students run through each center uh, in a given uh, year? We offer 145 days. I'm going to say probably about 90 to 100, depending on the number of classes. Mm -hmm. Average class size? Average class size is 12. Oh. So think about this. When we originally had ICAR doing the training, Mm -hmm. uh, they would have six learnings a year at eight students. Oh, wow. Right. So that was kind of a limiting factor. We were able to expand it quite a, quite a bit. I'm also proud to say that we probably process close to 500 insurance folks a year through our training center and sharing that knowledge with them and letting them have some of the experience of what we do. So it's not just the technician. It, it is the insurer, and we also have shop managers and, and so forth that come through as well. I assume the insurance personnel are adjusters? It can be anything from street-level adjuster to upper management. We try and get the word out, and I think slowly we're turning the battleship. We might be one or two degrees off of the original course, but uh, it's not for the lack of trying. I'm sure. And uh, I assume you're seeing the program grow, it sounds like. We have. You know, originally when I came to Audi eight years ago, we had 76 shops, and that was U.S. and Canada. We now have over 200 shops in the U.S., and Canada has fledged and runs their program separate of us. There are, uh, I believe, 40 in Canada now, Mm -hmm. but we still provide training for them. Let's talk about OE certification in general. Mm -hmm. This is something that a lot of the presenters here that I've talked to, when I've asked the question, seem to think it's the way to go. Mm -hmm. And obviously, a lot of the car manufacturers, more and more of them seem to be starting their collision certification. Is that your sense that we're we're moving more in this direction than not? Or is there some sort of a cap on the market for this? No. I mean, realistically, if you look at vehicle construction up until the early 90s for the large VIO brands in the U.S., they were made out of mild steel. Mm -hmm. Very predictable, very understandable, workable material. Uh, If you look at the Europeans, not to be elitist, but we have always used more cutting-edge materials. And if you look back, you know, into the 80s, Mercedes was starting to do some of their programs. And as we all started to move to high-strength steels and borons and, and uh, 
higher and higher strain steels and then aluminum uh, and now carbon fiber and other materials, it has started the wave and you're starting to see other manufacturers make vehicles that are similar in construction Mm -hmm. to what we are. So I think it's at a perfect storm right now. We don't have a vocational system that serves the industry very well, Mm -hmm. though it is present. It doesn't do what we need it to do. We have ICAR as a great stopgap, but I think the materials are now dictating that the OEs need to step in and start giving that additional learning that just isn't there. Are there any plans at the OE level that you're aware of to try to address some of the shortcomings of the, I assume we're talking about secondary and post-secondary programs? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Are there any, I, I know there are some programs that the manufacturers have, General Motors had their ASEP and BSEP and Toyota has their T10 Audi's program. Do they have something like that? We do not currently. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we're kind of on the lower level of, of vehicle population, but mm-hmm. we're growing. So it's something for us to look at going forward. We had to take care of that capacity issue in very short order from you know, the early 2000s to now, and now we can start building capacity where we can offer more. It sounds like your certification program achieved that goal. Do you envision a time when Audi would maybe consider developing their program, uh, a program like similar to what we talked about at the uh, school level? Yeah, I I really do think it it is in our best interest. And also, if we can help our, our sister brands in the house of Volkswagen there, to maybe offer out some learnings for them, but we we still are in a very early phase of how we can we can share that out. That raises actually another question. There are some sister brands to mm-hmm. Audi. Does the certification only apply to Audi vehicles, or are there some similarities that would? Is there, for example, a Volkswagen certification? Yeah, there is a Volkswagen certification. They they run it the, on their own merit Mm -hmm. uh, and have some different business goals than we do. Mm -hmm. We do help our sister brands of Lamborghini and Bentley with their learning and try and share. So in most cases, if you're Audi certified for equipment and training and and all that of our criteria, you easily transition to Lamborghini or Bentley where they find their needs. And they are choosy about where they pick their partners and how they get them into their programs. Do you do Lamborghini and Bentley training at the uh, training centers? We have, yeah. Wow. Yeah, for many years. I think you might have seen we had a, uh, a Oricon there, yeah. Yeah. We we finally um, got our last learnings out of that, and um, it fell victim to getting cut up, so we, we recycled it. I would imagine there were some technicians sobbing loudly as they cut the Lamborghini apart. Uh, yeah, yeah. Final question. What have you learned along the way with the certification program? Any revelations that you care to share? You know, really just finding the right partners, the the people that are committed. You know, the, the thing of it is, realistically, sometimes say I need profits and multiplication factors, people to go out and spell out across the country the merits of, of what we do and why. It is a pure reason of customer retention and, and learning. And we're starting to get that, you know, and that's great. Many in this MSO room, as I looked around the room, certainly Caliber has a bunch of shops, Service King on the program, but guys like like Randy has a shop on our program and Ron Riken and stuff. So 
they're sharing that out, and I think we will see a better industry because because they're doing that. Well, teamwork has always been the key, I think, and this is true. So, um, well, Mark, I want to thank you very much for taking the time today. Thanks for uh, for participating and being a panelist. Tony, thank you and ASA for having me, and of course the MSO Symposium. It's always a pleasure. We'll have to do this again uh, on one of our webinars, so I'll definitely be in touch. Cool. Thank you. Take care. I hope you enjoyed today's podcast. If you're brand new to the ASA podcast or if you've been here before, I encourage you to subscribe so you won't miss some of the great things we have coming up in our future episodes. Just hit the subscribe button wherever you're listening and you'll be good to go. If you enjoy our podcast and find our content valuable, make sure to leave a rating and review wherever you are listening to this. And if you're an automotive service facility shop owner listening to this podcast and you'd like to know more about ASA, I invite you to visit our website at asashop.org. I'm Tony Mala, and thanks for listening.